And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald, and I'm here with the Lou in your Tilo, Lorenzo, my cousin, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you? Excited because you know it's sunny now and it, it we're getting some hot days and warm days and you know it's just the boys nice. are in t-shirts again. Yes, walking Lovely. by, enjoying um, all the forearm. And I'm excited. Um, you know, soon I'm gonna be going back to the gym in what two years? <laughs> soon. So, yeah, things like that. Thanks to you know look, look forward to it's a new computer week at Tilo Media yeah. LLC. We both what justice what was it like Wednesday? Yeah. Um, you just have no idea that like what screaming and yelling goes on at our early morning <laughs> editorial meetings as our five-year-old computers boot up. And actually I, neither one of us realized that our computers had gotten that old. Um, I mean, they're old if you work on them 24 seven. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we punish hours. Yeah. We literally publish a, you know, an entire media empire through hours. Two books were, or one book was written on, on mine plus all the articles the posts everything right. so uh first oh i don't know longer than i can admit probably more than six months one or both of us would get up and scream and yell at our computer for being problematic and i finally said to you this week i was like oh come on we we paid our tax bill let's just go <laughs> let's just do it and you right. found a really good deal an yeah. upgrade and now we both have brand new computers and it's really exciting it is it is much better because sometimes you're working and 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 you have like 40 minutes to do something and then your computer starts slowing down and then you know and you're spitting like, oh. at you yeah so we're just like oh my god now i'm gonna be late um anyway so that's exciting. It is exciting. also exciting around this household is that um, oh my god, we're <laughs> having a my our whole our family's all getting together for yes. Easter on Sunday, um, and it'll be the first time I think all of us nieces, nephews, everybody mm-hmm. will be together in since before the uh, pandemic. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, because we had like all small groups. Yeah, it well we're a really large extended family. So I am making, I'm so excited. I've been literally thinking about it for days, like coming up with game plan and, <laughs> and watching videos for techniques. I'm making the biggest ass strawberry cheesecake you've seen in your Amazing. life. Yeah, the thing with me and cheesecakes is I have a good record. And this is largely true of, you always brag about my baking. And I always say I would not last through the first episode of the Great British <laughs> Bake Off. In fact, I probably wouldn't even get cast on this show because I'm not that good. Um, but here's my baking in a, in a nutshell. I have a history of making really delicious cheesecakes that don't look great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's my baking in a nutshell is that I'm really good at, at, at delicious baked goods, but my finishing techniques are not great. So I really want to make. And the last cheesecake I made was at Thanksgiving. And it just stuck to the side of the springform pan, which I mm-hmm. do not want to happen this time. So I've been reading all t- sorts of... Uh, the thing with me is, in bakers, you'll understand if you're listening. I have never not had problem with the goddamn water bath with cheesecakes. I've never not had a leakage issue or something like that. So I'm really considering not using a water bath at all. That's not mm. how my mother did cheesecakes. I know. Whole, and my she whole made life. And she best. made amazing she cheesecakes. She made the best uh, uh, and, cheesecake, yeah. You know, you do a, a water bath so that the top won't crack, but my top is going to be all glazed strawberries. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if the top cracks. So anyway, but I'm very excited because it's going to be a big ass 10 inch. Oh my you know, God, amazing. That thing will weigh 30 hey. pounds. Uh, and I'm hoping to top it off with um, 
some nice decorations. If it works out well, we'll put it on Instagram. If if, if you don't see it on Instagram, then it didn't work out well. Um, no, but the one thing about you that I love about cooking is that you really... Is that the only thing you love? No, one of the things I said. <laughs> did I say the, the thing? The one thing I love about... <laughs> oh no, God. you didn't say that. Oh, my God. Anyway, one of the things... I love it, you. In terms of cooking, is that you really enjoy the process? You really enjoy making something, which I I don't. Yeah, <laughs> and I I think I got that from my mother because my mother makes incredible things. They're mm-hmm. all delicious, but she I, it was hysterical because when we would talk about it, I was like, oh, "My mom, this is delicious." And like, yeah, I hate making it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, what do you mean you you hate making it? And it's delicious. So that, and I, my mom always said that if I have to make it, if I have to do something, it's going to be the best. Right. But she didn't enjoy the process. Right. She never did. Uh, I mean, she still does. <laughs> the great thing about baking as a hobby is you can always, always work on your skill or technique right. in some way. It's an ever perfecting process. There right. is, you know, unless you're some master pastry chef. It's something you're always, it's always learning new techniques or trying different ways of doing things. The last time I did this, this happened. What if I tried that? That's the kind of stuff that I love about baking. I remember when you wanted to uh, perfect your bread making, you know, like uh, techniques. Which is still an ongoing process. I know, but you make incredible stuff now. You make an incredible challah. Bread. Yes, you do. Holla. All right, yes. listen, we got to anyway, move on. We got to move on because we have a lot of But you do to cover. You Thank make you. incredible things. And what I love about having someone like you in the house. <laughs> uh, your beck and call. <laughs> is that I'm like, I get up and there's like wonderful waffles or, or pancakes or whatever, or, or uh, muffins or cinnamon buns. Yes. Well, but the flip side of that is I get up and I have a new computer all set up for me by someone oh, that, yeah, I never have to do any of that stuff. There it's you go. Perfect. Yeah. Cause I'm a computer freak. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we actually do that. And thank you. I love you too. And we have a lot of ground to cover. We are, we have one overriding theme for this week's podcast, which is simply performances that we're loving right now. Right. Uh, we really had a lot of stuff that we're both watching together or that each of us is going off to mm-hmm. watch. And, and we didn't want to do like full blown no. um, reviews. Part of that is because uh, one of them, we already did a first uh, review, which is Betty um, Michelle Pfeiffer in The First Lady. But the other part is that's not like we want to talk about the upcoming season of Russian Doll, one of the performances right, right. in that. But we are so bound on Twitter, yeah. by rules of what we're allowed to talk about that we can't do a, a, a decent review with the show. So last night, today, we were batting around ideas, and I was like, why don't we just do like three to five minutes on performances mm-hmm. that we recommend that you go look? Yeah, I just want to explain uh, that because I, I think I, people will find it interesting and funny. When you, when we got screeners, uh, sometimes, and most of the time, you get a letter with it. Right. And the letter pretty much states everything you can or cannot say. Right. Um, so we read the uh, Russian doll letter and it was like, all right, we can't talk There's about anything. There's literally nothing we can talk about. <laughs> Not really. And actually, we will be devoting next week's podcast to unpacking Russian doll season two because there is a lot to talk about. But until then, we're just going to focus on one cast member's performance right. for three to five minutes before we move on to our next. So it's almost like um, speed dating. Right. So real, we're just going to jump right into it. First off, we are both loving. We ex- we both loved Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford in The First Lady. Now, we published a review on the site today of the entire season. Critical. Critical, but not, I mean, we really try not to trash it because, as we said, if if you're the type of person who's into that sort of thing, then right, this exactly. sort of thing will appeal to you. Exactly. It's 
it's a little shallow. It it doesn't make any new um, observations about any of the women. And um, while the series has great performances in it across the board, Michelle Pfeiffer is just chef's kiss perfect. And one of the things I want to get across that I it was hard to put in the writing is that she basically plays Betty as low-key drunk in every single scene she's in. <laughs> it's true. Um, but in the earlier scenes, it's you really have to look for signs of it, and that's a very classic alcoholic. You really... She spends years hiding it really, really well, and Pfeiffer is a good enough actress that she... She didn't play the character straight. She played the character drunk, trying to make sure that nobody could figure out she was drunk. It's right. very subtle in her performance. And because of that, and this is might be a problematic thing to say about it, is that in a lot of her earlier scenes, she's a riot. She's a lot of fun. Like, she's, how do you not love Betty Ford? And that is, it's very difficult for an actor to to, to sort of thread that, you know, walk that tightrope of this person has an addiction, right. but also people with addictions can be very entertaining before everybody figures out that they have an addiction. And I think of all of them, of all the first ladies uh, presented, I think she does a fantastic job. Uh, showing how difficult it is for uh, an ordinary housewife to all of a sudden become a, a, a right. first lady. I think right. she, I think she does a very good job. She was a congressman, that. Yes. congressman's wife living in the D.C. suburbs for years, so she wasn't exactly. Yeah, I don't. But, but like, she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't upper class. She wasn't at the top of the right. party. She wasn't. Um, she was raising their kids and everything, and, and it, she had she plans, gets that across. Yeah, and she had plans to like buy a new house and then take care of her family, and all of a sudden, you know, her husband becomes the president. Yeah. Yeah. So it she does a very good job uh, unfolding that, I thought. I agree. Now, is that enough? I think no, so. No, it's fantastic. And it's Michelle Pfeiffer. My God, I'll yeah. watch anything. You'll watch anything. Okay. But now I, I'm passing to you. You're going to talk about Amanda Seyfried as, as Elizabeth Holmes in The Dropout. Why yeah. do you love this performance? I already talked about The Dropout, uh, I guess, the previous podcast or, or anyway. Um, what I love about it is because Amanda Seyfried, it's... it's, it's you know, in my mind, she's always playing those teenagers or, or very young uh, ladies, you know, right. women. Um, and she's very good at that. You know, you saw Mamma Mia and all that stuff. But I think with, with, with this uh, performance, uh, playing Elizabeth Holmes, I think she really shows how great she is in, as an actress. And it's it's a mature uh, Amanda, uh, Amanda Seyfried, I think. It's, it's a very much, it's a much more mature, more... Um, more thought out uh, performance and she's very intense. She really does a very good job showing all the nuances, all the uh, stuff that Elizabeth Holmes go through, you know, in, right. her, in her head. There, there are some scenes where you, you watch Amanda uh, perform and there's so much going on in her head and she does such a good job uh, because that that's how Elizabeth Holmes was. She had all this, you know, her head was spinning, but she had this fake smile on her face when she had to present anything to, to anybody. And Amanda does a fantastic job. Very good. That's Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes in The Dropout. Moving on, I am going to single out Britt Lauer as Helly in Severance. Severance uh, wrapped up its First season last week, we did a rave review on the site, but again, this is about singling out people, and Britt Lauer uh, was someone whose work I was not familiar with. I had to check her IMDb, and it's, you know, she's not, you know, a big star. She's working her way up the ladder, and I think she really 
really solidified herself with this role. Now, everybody in that cast was great. Mm -hmm. Trisha Arquette was great. John Turturro, Christopher Walken, Adam Scott. Just across the board, everybody was great. But um, Helly is your introduction character. Um, and you you learn about severance through her when she learns that she is actually a severance personality. And um, I think she's great at the way she walks you through her horror at what is being done to her and her inability to express it um, is all bound up in the tight like her. She carries anxiety and tenseness in her body really great. She's really great at conveying a million different emotions without saying a word and barely moving a muscle in her face. So. I guess the word that really comes to mind is that she is for um, an actress with who's not necessarily a, a household name uh, in a TV show that nobody knew. I mean, it came out of left field for a lot of us. It's an incredibly charismatic, almost movie star level performance. So I feel like we're going to see a lot more of Britt Lauer uh, past Severance, mm-hmm. past Severance season two. I think she really has made a name for herself. Um, moving on, we are just. Uh, Zoe Kravitz as Angela and Kimmy. This is one we can both talk about. Now, Kimmy dropped on HBO Max uh, back in February, directed by uh, Steven Soderbergh. And I love Steven Soderbergh's work. It's always very, very reliable. He's he's a formalist. He really understands cinema. He understands how to utilize it. And he loves it. It's in every frame, his Mm -hmm. love of cinema. Uh, so and his work is never not interesting to me. Um, so this dropped a couple months ago and it got some reviews, but really it didn't get as much love as it should. Mm-hmm. And it is actually I checked going. We caught it on HBO Max, but because that's where it debuted. But it's actually going onto um, video on demand this weekend. So if you don't have HBO Max, you can rent it. And we would both agree that's a I would totally recommend that film, right? Oh yeah, it's it's great. Her performance is amazing. Uh, she she it's very it's a very current. Um, Film. film and and plot situation mm-hmm. because she you know she she's afraid of going out the whole post pandemic post pandemic yeah. thing and and then she you know she, it, it looks like she's an introvert uh right uh, an agoraphobe actually yeah actually exactly but she's always uh you know cleaning her hands and all that so but she but zoe kravitz does such a great job with her body when she walks when she moves well that's what i wanted to talk about is that um she is as you said an agoraphobe in this in this film it's it's sort of like um if hitchcock made a film in 2020 if hitchcock was a relatively young man making films in 2022 this is the film he would make so when she's in her apartment which is stunning um, she is very confident um, and self-possessed in her apartment because she feels safe in there. And uh, I mean, because she is an agoraphobe, at least more than half of the film is set in her apartment. Um, she gets caught up as it's an Alexa-based story. It's based <laughs> on, a, on a on Alexa-type personal um, assistant at home it, through which she finds out about a crime. Um, and she has to leave the house to report this crime. So... Um, about halfway through the film, she does actually leave her apartment mm-hmm. and her whole performance changes. Right, she right. goes from someone who's very self-possessed and confident in right. her home to someone who cannot look up, cannot... I mean, she's moving like, a, you know, a robot through the streets. It was just a great, finely calibrated performance. When she is at home, most a lot of her scenes are on, you know, she's on FaceTime or on she's computer, Zooming yeah. or mm-hmm. she's on her computer. And that kind of stuff is innately uncinematic. It is very boring to watch. 
Christoph Soderbergh finds great ways to make it cinematic. He does mm-hmm. a text conversation where the camera is literally sweeping across the street as both people text each other. Um, but her performance in these scenes, like mm-hmm. clicking on things and plugging things in, is actually great. That stuff and is hard she, to look interesting. Right. And when she talks to uh, people on the computer, the language used, it's so, again, current. current. It's so modern. Um, it you, you can relate to all that people stuff. People yelling at their kids in the yes. background oh while they're God, trying to do hysterical. a Zoom call. Yeah. So it feels very of the moment. Um, you know, putting on a mask every time she leaves her apartment or tries to leave her apartment. Um, when she's out in the world, she comes across this political protest that, right. that actually becomes a plot point in the film. Um, so it feels very 2022. Um, it, and it has some great, as a film, it has some great homages to uh, Hitchcock. And I feel like she has that sort of damaged, mysterious muse sort of mm-hmm. thing that Hitchcock would have loved. He famously loved only blonde white women so i mean that's the part where it's updated where it's a biracial woman with blue hair um, I, know, I, I, I the blue hair is awesome i, I think she looks great she it's an iconic sort yeah, of look yeah. which is sort of the same thing hitchcock did right, with his right. women it's so it's you just can't mistake her on this on the on screen uh just a, another here's that word charismatic performance where she's just um still on camera in ways that are innately entertaining to watch Mm -hmm. and it has a fucking kick-ass final 20 minutes i mean (laughs) and it's one of those it's one of those things i love in films it's not required in every film but i absolutely love when the first 20 minutes of a film sets up every single point that will pay off in the last 20 minutes you see those things i don't always yeah (laughs) but if you were to go back and watch the first 20 minutes you'd be like oh that 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 and that that, all played out in the finale that's how our uh, normal regular person would do go back and oh now i see you see right from the beginning because you went to film school anyway I'm, i went to film school and i bake this is all just tell me more about me i know you tell me amazing. more about my eyes <laughs> oh okay my God, next up is so that's zoe kravis as angela and kimmy on hbo max now on video on demand the whole film very mm-hmm. much recommended but it's one of our favorite performances of the week also up now you're going to talk about michelle dockery oh, michelle dockery in have... anatomy of a scandal yes film. yes playing a barrister uh and she prosecutes the main character james uh a politician uh in a lot of trouble i don't want to give too much away it's based on a book um the show is not that great. I mean, it, it started great and then kind of fell apart, but she's amazing. Uh, and what I love about Michelle Dockery is that she can go from Downton Abbey princess, you know, to like a barrister fighting for uh, women's rights and, and Me Too movement and all that. She is fantastic. Again, I can't give too much away. Uh, because she gets involved, she's there to prosecute James, but then the story gets you know bigger and bigger, and she's m- more and more involved in the whole thing. Uh, but she's great. She's great. Michelle, was just, I love her. I mean, she did uh, good behavior. I know, and you love that. Show. Oh my god, she played Letty, and she was a con artist. She she goes from one you know type of character to another, and she does such a phenomenal job. She's yeah. very intense. She's great. She has a a presence you know the way she delivers her lines i mean she's great she's very very good at and i think she's the best uh in the of show everyone oh. yeah wow really mm-hmm. and that's a stacked cast um yes. i do think she um for whatever reason she hasn't quite uh taken off I as agree. much as i think she deserves to have taken off after Agreed. uh downtown mm-hmm. abbey i never would have 
gotten, I never would have predicted that Lily James was the one that was going to break out of that cast and become a movie star. That's the one that I just never would have predicted. Anyway, Michelle Dockery and Anatomy of a Scandal. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay. I'm going to do a shout out to Oscar Isaac in Moon Knight as he's playing two personalities, Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. Um, Wasn't really feeling the need to uh, recap Moon Knight or, or get into it all that much. I have to admit, I'm not in love with the character. I'm, I always thought the character was kind of goofy, and on screen, they, they really can't rid that character of its goofiness. Um, but it's the show itself, I would say, is um, entertaining because it, it, um, it's different from the usual Marvel fare in a lot of ways. And I hesitate to say that because everything Marvel winds up on the exact same final act it all looks the same in the end whether we're talking wandavision or spider-man so i have no doubt there's going to be a big sky thing at the end of this but um what i like about oscar isaac's performance not only he's playing someone uh with basically dissociative personality disorder he has two Mm -hmm. distinct personalities one of whom is this tough guy american and the other one is this sort of wimpy british guy is that based on a comic book yeah oh okay He's a Marvel superhero. Um, And that could get super goofy. That could get super weird. Mm -hmm. It could even borderline get offensive in the wrong hands. But he does it with such a light touch. He bounces back and forth from both persona relatively easily, often in the same scene, often in the same shot. And um, he, he just manages to balance all the weirdness of that character and the goofiness of that story. And I think it really wasn't until the latest episode that I figured out why it worked for me. And it's because he um, he's able to wink at you about the material without making fun of the material, which is a very, huh. very difficult you know, line to walk when you're doing that sort of goofy superhero stuff. And the last person who was this good at walking that line was actually Robert Downey Jr. Right. As uh, Tony Stark. And... Um, it made me realize that that is sort of something that seems to be missing from the MCU post uh, Avengers Endgame is that sort of wink at the audience, that sort of light touch that people like uh, Chris Evans brought and Robert Downey Jr. brought to their characters. It's all become very po-faced and serious. What with, I mean, the, the Spider-Man one was very serious. Eternals was very po-faced. Uh, you know, Shang-Chi was very earnest. Like, it just didn't have that sense of fun. And um, I feel like he is bringing that back to the MCU. I don't know what their plans really are for this character long term, if they're going to graduate him up to the movies in some way or the mm-hmm. Avengers or something like that. But um, it is, it's, it's, an, it's a performance that I'm actually enjoying. It's a rather light touch on the MCU while still taking the weirdness as seriously as it needs to be taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched the first episode with you, and I, I enjoyed it. I, but I, I felt every now and then that you, you'd have to be a comic book fan to enjoy it. Even more. then, I don't love it. Yeah. Um, so you're going to talk about Jake Johnson in yes. the mix. Now, Jake Johnson, I don't know if you realize, he's like the internet's boyfriend based on his his um, years on the new group. Right, right, So right. he's got a following. Right, right. Uh, uh, Minx, uh, you have to watch it. No, I don't know if a lot of you are watching. It's not a great show, but it's a very entertaining. What show. is it about? It's about uh, the creation. It's a publishing uh, company, and they um, they're publishing a porn magazine targeted at women. 
So it's basically a faux playgirl. Yeah, it's kind of a faux playgirl. And it's It's set in the 1970s? Set in the 70s. The costumes are insanely gorgeous. Um, Everyone is great. Everyone is great. Uh, And they're trying. You can tell that they're trying very hard to make the show work. Not a lot of people are talking about it. And it's not, as I said, it's not a masterpiece. But it's very entertaining. And what I love about it is that it shines a light... um, in, into that world of, of sleazy porn, 70s porn, um, how magazines were made, you know, and then at the same time, um, <coughs> there was a lot going on. It was, you know, beginning of the 70s, uh, you know, so you have a lot of uh, feminism going on and women's rights and all that going on at the same time. And they're publishing this magazine. So it, it it's that clash in a way. Uh, but anyway, Jake Johnson plays the uh, the publisher um, of the magazine. Um, and and he, he's charming and sleazy. Oh, my God. He's sleazy. He's so charming. He embraced that character as this sleazy guy who published you know, all these sleazy magazines. And now he's publishing this, uh, you know, porn magazine for for women technically i mean technically for women but you know gay men are the ones buying the magazine so it i love it love the whole thing the costumes are gorgeous he is really really charming um he conveys that that whole idea of being a porn publisher in a way that i don't know he's just charming um and he has an incredible chemistry with with the character joyce she's the editor of the magazine um he's great i highly recommend it i mean if nothing else the costumes are absolutely the costumes the sets are absolutely the penises insane. right well the penises too and it, it i well of course i'm gay i love the penises and the funny thing is that if nothing else, watch the first episode where they show like about 150 penises all at once. I mean, the New York Times even wrote an article about it, how they create that uh, they created that scene, and it's all real uh, model, not model actors who agreed to do it. And there's a very interesting story about the whole thing. Anyway, and um, and then you're gonna see models posing with their prosthetic, uh, you know, penises. Uh, so it's a win-win all around. Yeah, throughout all, all this year, uh, you know. Yeah, so that's Jake anyway, Johnson yeah, in the mix. Very good. That's your recommendation. I am going to do a shout out to a guest turn that was in this week's Julia Christian Clemenson played James Beard in Julia this week. And it was uh, a performance that was really charming and stuck with me um, for a day or two after having watched it. Uh, James Beard, like Julia Child, was an iconic figure in mid-century cooking and all the way up until... Well, he died in the 90s, I believe, or in the late 80s. Actually, he died in 85. I just read that last night. So he was an iconic figure in mid-century 20th American cook cooking. He wrote, you know, they still give out the James Beard Award. The James Beard Foundation is still an important mm. foundation. But um, he was also a gay man. So uh, this episode was Julia um, going to San Francisco. And it's like 1963, 64. I can't, I can't remember what the exact year is here. Um, And she meets up with James Beard, who they are old friends. Julia and James Beard had a legendary friendship. And Mm -hmm. she actually uh, helped establish the James Beard Foundation after he died. She bought his house and turned it into the James Beard Institute. So their their relationship is legendary. Um, And people always bring that up when when you talk about Julia Child being a little homophobic. And they they, they all that also they also bring up the fact that she yes, that she had a lifelong uh, uh, friendship with a with this 
gay men. Now, um, you can have problems with gay people and still have gay friends. <laughs> I think the episode tries to thread that needle, and I don't think they quite managed it. Um, they tend to show Julia's discomfort, but then she gets over it rather quickly. Mm-hmm. And that, and the fact remains that her discomfort came out in the her writings and everything. Like she, she, mm-hmm. she really didn't enjoy being around gay people. But uh, believe me, I know from experience, people like that can still wind up with very close personal relationships with individual gay people. And you know, I don't know how they processed it. <laughs> how they process that contradiction but it's not <laughs> uncommon anyway christian clemenson's performance i mean sarah lancashire is really great uh as julia child in this show the whole cast is great but i really loved this performance he was only in for the one episode he's he he nailed beard's larger than life uh somewhat flamboyant personality mm-hmm. he takes julia to a drag club which I did that happen? No, Who knows? no, no, no. Yeah. And I, I mean, those are the parts of the story that I'm like, okay, you, this, okay, but you're giving a fictional version of what They're happened. They're just trying and, to make her look better, I guess, because she does get up on stage and sing a duet with a drag queen. So that's not. I still don't love that because mm-hmm. I would rather you paint a realistic portrait of what right. who the woman was. I love Julia Child. I admire Julia Child, and I can deal with the fact that she was a homophobe. Mm-hmm. And I would rather see that it doesn't. It doesn't really deter my enjoyment of her. So I think the show is not being as brave as it could be in this regard. However, what I loved about his performance, I think, was that it was, um, you know, we did a lot of research for the book uh, about, you know, pre-Stonewall life for gay men and what it was like. And I just think he did a lovely job. Again, he's not a well-known actor. His name is Christian Clemenson. He did a lovely job threading that needle on how joyously flamboyant gay men could be at that time while carrying around a certain level of shame Mm -hmm. and pain. Right. And sometimes when you do that depiction, actors uh, can really dive too far into the shame and the pain side of things and not enough in the joy and flamboyance. And I think he did a lovely job of just getting both of them in the exact right proportion, like a recipe, in the exact right proportion to give you a really lovely, well-rounded portrayal of a um, senior gay man in the eight years before Stonewall. Mm-hmm. That's all. Just, I, I think just that, a great little episode. But, but that's that's fascinating because I remember doing my research uh, about you know magazines, the you know, the so called, you know, gay magazines from the forties and fifties and and I remember reading about Bob Miser publishing all those political stuff in the magazine and all these people would write letters and say, Enough with that. We just want to have fun. And it's interesting because I think we tend to forget that despite all the everything they were going through, hell right, right. at the time, they had a good time. They had a good time. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um so now I'm passing on to you to talk about Elle Fanning as Michelle Carter, the evil yes. teen Again, in I, I, The Girl from Plainville, which is a true crime uh, series. Oh, we should be. You know what? I should go back. I'm sorry. We're, we're terrible podcasters. <laughs> uh, the First Lady is on Showtime. Uh, the Dropout with Eliz- with Amanda Seyfried is on Hulu. Severance is on, with Britt Lauer's wonderful performance is on Apple TV+. Plus. We said that Kimmy with Zoe Kravitz was on HBO Max. Anatomy of a Scandal is on Netflix. Is on Netflix with Michelle Dockery. Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac is on Disney Plus. The Minx is on HBO, HBO Max, Max with yeah. Jake Johnson. 
And Julia with Christian Clemenson's lovely James Beard portrayal is also on HBO Max. Sorry. Yeah, we're terrible. <laughs> so Elle Fanning is playing Michelle Carter and the girl from Plainville, which is on Hulu. Yes, yes I believe so. Yeah, yes. correct. Okay. Uh, I already talked about the show, but in the story behind it, uh, she plays Michelle Carter, uh, who helped her former boyfriend commit suicide. Anyway, it's a very sad story, true story. And um, Elle Fanning does a phenomenal job. I mean, because when I was watching the show, I went, of course, I went on YouTube and I watched all these videos of the the real Michelle Carter. And um, she is just great. She's great at, at giving this weird vibe that Michelle gave that you, you don't really know if, if, if she's sorry, if she really liked the guy, why she did what she did. Um, Elle Fanny is fantastic. And I think, again, <coughs> like Amanda Seyfried, um, Elle Fanny... It's growing. She's becoming a, a more mature woman as right. an actor. Um, you know, you see her. I mean, she's phenomenal in The Great. Not right. The Great. Is that The Great? Yeah. Yeah, Catherine The Great. Playing Catherine The Great. Anyway, she's phenomenal. She's so, so funny and great, um, powerful actress. And I think now she's doing kind of the same. She's playing a very serious, very interesting character, very complicated character. And she's doing a good job. Not to mention that she looks just like Michelle Carter. Yeah, she does look a lot like her. But she's good. It's a great performer performance. Um, you know, very sad story, and it, it uh, and you have to kind of just adjust your viewing, I guess, because it's a lot about texting. So how do you make a show about people texting all the time? So at first, I had a problem with that, but once you you know kind of like adjust your expectations, then then you enjoy the show. That is Elle Fanning as Michelle Carter in The Dropout on Hulu. I mean, in The Girl from Plainville on mm -hmm. Hulu. I'm getting my blondes, my Hulu blondes mixed up. Next, we're going to talk about Greta Lee as Maxine in Russian oh Doll. God. Season I cannot two. even say her name without laughing. I know. Okay, so Greta Lee played Maxine in Russian Doll Season 1. She is um, the lead character, Nadia's. I guess, sort of pansexual artist, druggy friend, the one who says, sweet birthday, baby, about a million times during the episode. I mean, during the season. And she was great in the first season of the show. I mean, she was one of the she, highlights yes. of the first season of the show. Um, and just as an aside, she played a producer on season two of The Morning Show on Apple TV+, Plus, the one with um, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. And it's a real oh, yes, yes. insight into how good an actress she is, because she is nothing like Maxine on that show. So, Russian Doll Season 2, can't really tell you anything about what the story is about. I will say that um, the first three episodes for me were pretty rocky, and when I, I said you should sit yes. down and watch them, and you were having trouble, and I was like, just wait right. until Maxine shows up. Now, I think Maxine shows up in one or two episodes before them, but I think it's around the fourth or fifth episode where it's just mm -hmm. the two of them. So I, we really get Greta right, Lee right. doing the full Maxine, and it is hilarious what that actress can do with a line that is not innately funny she just makes it funny first of all i think she's striking i think she's a gorgeous woman yeah. she has very striking uh, well they you know, give features. her that wild makeup yes, and, and everything. the hair very yeah, yeah. severe hair so when she moves her 
face and her mouth and she talks. She is so expressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she yeah, yeah. She's a natural awesome. clown. She really is. I love her. Every single line, I was like laughing. And out I loud. kept pointing out to you, I'm like, that line is not innately funny. No. It's just how she delivers that yes, line. Yes, yeah. Um, she plays like this. She she does a very good job playing the the kind of crazy New York friend, you know, like artist, you know, artist, yeah, queer, you know, pansexual friend who uh, does a lot of dr- always has drugs and always willing to party and ca- kind of irresponsible, um, but just hilarious. Just one liner after one liner after right. one liner. The way she reacts to things, she elevated. The entire second season when I she, I mean, it. she comes in and it's like, okay, now I feel like the story's doing something. I agree. Um, and I think, I think they would have been better off bringing her in for more of the season because she's, she, first off, I think she and Natasha Leon have great chemistry. The way they bounce off each I, other. I agree. I agree. They, um, these are two self-involved people who constantly talk at each other and don't listen to each other right. at all. Um, I think, I think she could, they could have done more with her. And I see that a lot happening with Asian, uh, uh, actors, especially. Right. They're always a good friend and they, because that's the role they have, they always do their best to do a, a very good job performing because, you know, they're not the main character. Right. You see that with Ashley Park and uh, Emily in Paris. Emily same, in Paris. Same yeah. thing, you know, funny, great actress, but, you know, she's not the main character. So uh, she's got to be the funny Asian friend. Although I would not reduce well, that's what Greta I'm saying. Lee to that. That's what I'm leading to. Not the case here. Yeah. She really has a much better material. Uh, Ashley Park in Emily in Paris. Um, That's a brainless show. Yeah. But the thing is that she was a much, she was much more interested in the first season and they they just didn't know what to do with her in the second season. Um, So anyway, uh, the thing about Russian doll, even the messy second season, it, it's not a show I could call brainless. If anything, it gets bogged down in trying to um, unpack a lot of serious and complicated concepts uh, and do it in a light it's, sort of way, right? Uh, I had a, uh, I watched it because I wanted to watch it. Yeah, uh, because I'm, I think it's intelligent. Yeah, because I do like the 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 people involved, all the actors right. involved. But I had a very hard time with the first episode. I w- I almost gave up, but I was you know doing stuff in my computer, so the TV was on. I was right. like, let's just keep going. Right, and then I just loved it. Um, not love the whole uh, season, but it winds up somewhere. Yes, and there are certain parts of the show, certain episodes that I really loved, and I can't say anything. No, we are going to dive into this next yeah, week yeah. because it's the kind of season that deserves a little unpacking. Yes, yes, and we want to talk about the parts of it that worked and the parts of it that didn't work. And I know Natasha Leone's performance didn't exactly work for you. And I have a hard time. It with wasn't her my favorite. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing this season, which right. is a shame because right. she is the lead character. It Greta Lee was my favorite thing she this is season. Hysterical, and yeah. I really, truly wish they could have featured more of her. I'm not. I, I mean, agree. I don't know. Maybe she didn't want to. Maybe they they didn't want to. But uh, the series would have been the season would have benefited from a lot more of Maxine. I agree. I, agree. Um, I don't need it, but it's good to have. <laughs> like a driver's license or a left hand. I'm not even going to explain the context of <laughs> Just that. Just keep that but in wait, mind. Or yeah. is there dancing on other floors? Like, again, <laughs> these lines aren't even funny. It is literally how she does it in the context of the scene. I'm laughing. The the one about oh I don't God. need it is absolutely drop dead. She Hilarious. Fantastic. Oh, and about fucking Hitler. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <laughs> the whole conversation. We won't get into that, but... 
she makes it worth it. She's um, she's actually a joy to watch. Uh, also a joy to watch, even though she raises my blood pressure, is um, Janelle James as Ava Coleman on Abbott Elementary. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, yeah. She is fantastic. Um, she she's that horrible, unprofessional principal. <laughs> right. She's. Um, what I love about her performance is that she's part of a long line of of stock sitcom character type, of a certain stock sitcom character type that you wouldn't think anyone could find fresh in it, which mm-hmm. is basically yes. the asshole, the yes. asshole that you work with. Every <laughs> yeah. Like so many sitcoms yeah. have that asshole character. And um, there doesn't seem to be a new way to do that character anymore without being cliche. And she's just hilarious she has no morals she has no ethics she's completely unapologetic about <laughs> right. it she's completely absolutely 100 percent in love with herself and everything that she does uh it's just a great star turn and i think it'll be interesting to note we should actually bookmark this podcast how many of these performances get nominated yes for yeah. emmys when they're uh, eligible because well, i think she might be the show is getting a lot of attention it uh, is. most of the actors are doing all the uh talk shows and stuff she did recently um what show was it? We had it on our site. Uh, Janelle, James. Um, uh, uh, Fallon, I think. Yeah, one of them. Anyway, she looks fantastic, by the way. We have a post on our site. Mm-hmm. Um, the show is doing really well. Uh, it's a great concept. On ABC television. Yes. Also, sorry. Russian Doll is on Netflix. I know. Anyway. We're, we're terrible. We're, we're getting better. <laughs> anyway, she is very, very funny. Um, and uh, again, it's someone who knows how to deliver her lines. Um, she really knows how to uh, set the the tone right. and, and the moment. And she makes a great foil for the other characters yes. to play off of. Um, she's just a, a really well-rendered side character from someone who knew what to do with that material. I think that's partially how all of these uh, um, people wound up on yes. the list, yes. is that most of them tend to exceed their material in some right. way. Most of them manage to find stuff that isn't in the script. I think that's how they stand out uh, in that's a way. That's how these... These performances, all, yeah, when you're a supporting yeah. or when you're working with maybe not the best script in the world, it's how you manage to interpret that stuff and bring something to it that no one can tell you. I agree. I agree. And that's how I tend to watch things. I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily go f- for the main character or the most important actor on the show. I mean, I, I, you know, I look around to see who else is giving a good performance, and I think they all do. And, um, and it, sometimes you just staring at them and nobody else (laughs) right exactly i mean a lot of these people that we're singling out they're part of a of an ensemble of great i mean they're not the only person in their cast i would say that viola davis and jillian anderson are both good in the first lady yes they're just not at michelle pfeiffer's level um and and i think like i said the whole cast of of severance is great but Britt lauer was doing something that i found more interesting right Nobody in Julia is bad. No, nobody in that cast is bad. But but Christian Clemenson actually right. brought something that stood out, and he's not a well-known actor. So that's the kind of stuff that always appeals to me to be able to talk about these people who maybe you've never heard of them, but they they're actually doing good work right now. They're doing good work um, yes. now. Um, uh, Janelle James is probably having the most press out of all of them because she's on a network TV show. Um, that's that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. So yeah, so she's she's riding high. And she's been a comedian for a long time, but this is clearly a breakout role for her on Abbott Elementary and um I'm just I just find it really enjoyable. I think it's a great show and uh, again, it and I remember reading um uh, 
um, reviews of the show, and everyone everyone was surprised that it was actually on 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 a regular channel, you right? Know, in, as opposed to regular like, channel network TV is the word <laughs> you're trying to say. Regular channel, regular channel. Those those people's channels. Those technical terms you like to use. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I think that is it for this week. Unless you have any performances that you still haven't talked about, I think we've run down the entire list. No, these there are so many shows out there. We've been watching so many things, but these are the ones. We these are the ones that stick out, and um, we've written reviews on some of them and done podcast. We've done Julia. We've done um, Severance. We've and we wrote a review of the mm-hmm. First Lady. We're going to have something on Russian Doll next week. I'll probably we'll probably do a written review and then do a podcast, right? Because I think, like I said, that that deserves some unpacking. It's a very interesting series, even if you if you don't like it for some reason. Yeah, I, I they're I, doing I would, something. Right, it's definitely they're doing something. I I would. I was thinking about it for for like days. Yeah, uh, uh, that's the kind of season. I agree. Uh, it, it really falls down on a few points, but we'll get into that later. Anyway, these are who we're loving right now. We would recommend almost all of these. Yes, uh, well, oh pretty much God, all yes. of these. Minx, Minx, um, go watch Minx. Yes, and uh, watch Severance if you haven't seen it. It's the best thing that's happened this year on television. And like we said, the first lady's got some problems. But if you really just want to see actresses mm-hmm. doing historical material, well, go to town. You're not gonna. No, it. You're not gonna regret watching it. I think it's a great show. Uh, I think well, it's a good show. I think it's it's all right. It's a very good show. Not a great, Mm-mm, very good show. It's not even that. Far. All right. Anyway, but I think if you if you if you're interested in the subject matter, I think you will enjoy the show. Yeah. Um, agreed. So, uh, everyone, if you're um, observing Passover or Easter this weekend, have a lovely holiday, yes, and I hope you yes. get to see uh, the people you want to see. Um, and we'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk. So, until then, take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye bye.